Hello once again to you happy hikers. My name is Owen Hamilton and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. This is a show that brings you tales from the trails and shoutings from the mountains. I gotta get better at this intro stuff. This week on the show, we touch on a topic that we really should have been speaking about more often. Safety. I'm sure that most people who listen to this show are quite aware of the dangers that exist when exploring the outdoors. Anyone who's spent ample time hiking, walking or doing any kind of outdoor activity will know that making sure you are safe while doing it takes a certain amount of planning. And of course, this depends on the time, the weather, the people you are with and the other risks that that might be involved. Sometimes it's as simple as what you wear on your feet. Well, our guest today is a member of the Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue Team, the volunteer organisation based on the east side of the Wicklow National Park and who are the first responder team to people that are injured or in danger in the mountains. Fiona Kelly has been part of the team for over six years now and is now the team treasurer. I speak to her about her own story of getting interested in mountaineering and then getting involved in mountain rescue and her understanding of the complexities of managing and maintaining the team while also trying to raise the vital funds to ensure the sustainability of their operations. But before we get into the interview, let's do the business. This podcast is brought to you by Hiker. Hiker is the essential app for those wanting to get outdoors with confidence. Over 400,000 hikers have used this app to plan, map and track their adventures to date. With Hiker, you can navigate on one of our 19,000 verified hiking trails that are constantly being updated using local information. You can plan your own route and track it completely offline while using the best local maps like Ordnance Survey, Harvey Maps, OSI, USGS, Land Information New Zealand, TAS Maps, Get Lost and many more. And Hiker is also the only hiking app to provide east-west maps. Fans of Barry Dalby's maps will now find the digital version of on Hiker as part of a Pro Plus subscription, which you can try for free by heading over to hiker.app forward slash purchases or just sign up using the app itself. The app is totally free to download, so head over to the App Store or Play Store now to get started. Let's get into it. Safety first, guys. Enjoy my interview with Fiona Kelly. That's it. That's normally how I do the podcast anyway, is I just click record and hope <laughs> that's it. Um, so Fiona Kelly, uh, how are you? Thank you for joining us on the, on the Hyper Podcast. Not at all, thanks. Thanks for asking me to come along. So it, it, do you want to introduce yourselves to, to yourself to the Hiker Podcast audience? Who are you? What is your role in uh, the sure. Double Mountain Rescue Team? Uh, and any any uh, any I don't know wacky kind of traits that you have. <laughs> okay, um, so as I said, Fiona Kelly, I am a member of the Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue Team since 2017. So five coming up on six years now, actually. Um, I am also for my sins a member of the committee and the board um, because I said yes. Um, many moons ago to, to doing that and I'm now the treasurer um and 
then I also, as well as being a full team member, um, one of the things I kind of do is, as part of that is I have a dog um, that we have just recently qualified as a live scenting uh, handler team or dog handling uh, team. And her name is Maggie. And um, yeah, so six years, um, a lot, a lot um, sort of done uh, besides call outs. There's a huge amount of work that goes in. I think we, we calculated and for every one hour of a call out, we have about two or three hours in the background of fundraising, organizational um, sort of administration and um, training um, events and so on. So um, it's, I kind of call it like, it's like my other job um, that you, you work around um, your day job and your family and friends and all that thing, all those things. So um, yeah, it's, it's busy, but absolutely love it. Um, and it's just a, a great thing to be part of and a great team to, to be a member of. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's a, that's a really good, I suppose, overview, like a really good, like elevator pitch of what your, I suppose your position is and what Dublin Weekly Momentum Rescue do. And there's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack there. Um, because yeah. you've you mentioned like fundraising, you've mentioned the fact that like you've gone through like six years of being part of this this organization, um, that this is a volunteer organization as well. You do have a day job, but yeah. let's go go kind of go back to the start and like, maybe like tell your story because this kind of uh, tells the story of how someone gets into mental rescue. What what got you to the point of getting into mental rescue, and then we can kind of go through how you got into mental rescue then yeah so um i'd say 11 years ago i um decided i was going to climb kilimanjaro um my friends and i um had a conversation over dinner and a couple of glasses of, of wine um and neither had been much of, of a hiker uh, before then but we decided we there was a, a group um from work that was that was doing something um, organizing a, a trip to Kilimanjaro and I said signed up to it kind of on a whim and then was like okay um, better go and do something about this now um, climb a mountain never climbed a mountain before so I found myself down in Carantool um, climbing that didn't even know what Carantool you know that it was that, that I was climbing Carantool and it was the highest mountain in Ireland like just when looking back now it's just different stage of my life different um understanding and and just kind of very different person I suppose then so so did that um went on a, on a a number of hikes training in preparation for Kilimanjaro and did Kilimanjaro and just an amazing event an amazing um achievement my friend and I and, and other people that I, I worked with as well um and kind of got bitten by the bug pretty much there and then like um wanted to do more of this so I came back um and would do some hikes in around the Dublin mountains and figured out quickly enough like you know probably should you know learn how to read a map and compass and be responsible so I signed up to do the mountain skills one um in Wicca with a great guy called Charles and that was just an eye-opener so like Kilimanjaro, Karanju and all that like I was just following someone up a hill right and I'm like when are we stopping and you know snacks and you, you very much absolved yourself from a lot of the responsibility on it um, and this was how to prepare like you know what to pack how to read your map how to what to do when you get yourself in trouble and um, how to you know self-locate and um, just 
like now looking back like really simple and obvious skills and 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 um and and tips but just that just changed everything so my friend and I who'd done Kilimanjaro did that together and a month later we found ourselves doing um, mountain skills too so it's a, it's two parts it's two weekends long and um again that just elevated everything further and I was starting to look at mountains and hills around Ireland that I could you know plan a trip to or a weekend to and um, I would have my little um, route planner and I would mark out like all of the different legs of the trip and the different, you know, how long it should take me and um, taking into account the ascent and descent and toughness train and everything. And that that just turned it like into a totally different experience for me. Um, I then about a year later ended up sort of taking a career break, went off traveling, ended up doing a startup along the way, found myself in South America, doing a little bit of hiking, but mainly working on a startup and didn't really leave much room for that. Then moved to Texas because that's where the startup took us and there was a bit of investment, which hasn't got really any hills. So I was totally out of it for about uh, two years um, at that stage. And um, then I came back, actually, sorry, before I, I left, um, probably about six months beforehand. So it was a year after Kilimanjaro. I'd done all my mountain skills. And then there was a last minute opportunity came along to do um, to join a group who had had a dropout uh, about five weeks to go to do the hot route in um france and uh, switzerland so you go from chamonix to zermatt about 100 kilometers over seven days but like again totally different type of climbing and hiking so you're climbing glaciers and you're um walking you know above uh you know so many thousands of meters a day so you're dealing with a little bit of altitude and um we had phenomenal weather we were staying in huts so we we're moving hut to hut and you're carrying all your gear so very different experience to kilimanjaro where you were very much sort of molly coddled up and somebody else was carrying your gear and you know you were you didn't have to be super cognizant of exactly the gear you had on you because someone else was kind of looking after you this was not not that um you know scenario at all we had a phenomenal um guide para and we I had done a little bit of prep well, I'd done a lot of prep five weeks to go I was like right I need to figure out how do I get up with this with minimal effort, but maximum sort of um, output? So I went hard at the fitness. I went to awesome walls. I learned how to tie in and, and climb and belay. And I figured if I didn't have to learn that on the side of the mountain, that would just stand to me and I'd be a little bit more confident. And then I invested in good gear. So I'd gone to Kilimanjaro probably with, you know, basic hiking um, kit. But this time I was like, I have to carry all this. So I need to do like, yeah. I can only have one change of clothes, which is gross when you think about it over a week. But like, so that stuff needs to be super light. It needs to be like, you know, low, um, uh, oh, say, low stink, right? It needs to be light, it'll dry out, so on, so on. So invested in all of that. Um, and that really paid dividends and just an amazing trip. Seven days, um, as I said, hut to hut, came down. We were supposed to do Mont Blanc day after day um, off. That didn't happen because of the winds. Uh, so we ended up going into Italy and then we had Plan B, which was Grand Paradiso. And again, just another eye-opener. We did a, a summit um, overnight at a, at a camp and then, or at a hut, and then um, up again three in the morning to, to do the summit and then and just came back from that with just whole level of confidence appreciation it's just alpine climbing totally different to anything you do um around ireland so then sorry i'm going back to where i went away for about two years and i came back and 
Um, I had, before I'd left, actually in training for my trip to, to France, I had actually seen um, an accident in, in the hills. There was a, a group um, doing a, a climb of um, pine tree buttress um, and in Wicklow and towards the end of their climb, they they had one of their party had had a fall and we, somebody in our group knew one of the people and anyway, through one thing or another, we ended up calling in the 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 accident it it had been called in i think a number of times but we weren't sure who gotten through and we ended up going up back up to the top of Lugalaw to um show uh it would have been rescue 116 um who were dropping in by helicopter some of the uh, team members from dublin wicklow and also from our sister team glen of Amal. um and they they did that and i was just blown away literally blown away um by what what they were doing and and followed obviously the outcome of the um the rescue and um and and was really sort of just exposed to I suppose a rescue service I'd never seen before thankfully I hadn't had cause to I'd taken part in in one or two um like the moonlight challenge like Glen of Amaldu and I think I'd done walk a line from uh, Dublin Wicklow um at the time but I just saw like what they actually do now that being said, I was seeing people being, you know, dropped out of a helicopter and then they were like setting up ropes uh, systems and abseiling off the side of mountains. And I was like, well, you know, this is amazing. Where do they learn how to do this? Um, and then when I came back from my travels, um, I took part in um, the Arch and Eel Challenge, um, which is one of our, our events that Dublin Wicked put on every year. And I had self-navigated and I was I think the fastest um walker in that year um there are people that run it crazy people um you might know some of them um but they 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 run it I walk it uh, it's 55 kilometers through the night the middle of, of January and it was we had a whiteout so you didn't know when you were at the mountain on the mountain side you didn't know if you were going up or down sometimes because you couldn't see where the sky and the hills began or finished so navigation really important gear kit and all that and I knew someone on the team and they said to me well look you clearly know how to navigate you clearly know how to to look after yourself in the hills and um, you you obviously love being outside and, and um, hiking where we've got a new intake coming um through would you be interested in joining so I was like do I not need to be able to like fly helicopter and abseil out of it and do all these things and they're like no no, no like it's you know that's there, there's an element of that but there's a lot of it that's just you know our bread and butter is lower leg injuries and stretcher carryouts and so on so that is um how I I came to join what we call the probationary team um and I I did that um I think it was the end of 2016 beginning of 2017 and there's about a year of of training so you're down there every Wednesday you join um team trainings um and you just get to learn like all aspects of it so being hill safe um you know there's medical qualifications um our level of medical qualification we all need you're learning about crag you're learning about search you're learning about drones you're learning about dogs swift water and lots of other things um and yeah there was there was a group of us that came through and um i thankfully passed the assessment um along with my my other uh, probationary team members and joined as a full team member then at the end of that year what a story like <laughs> as something that you kind of took up as 
if you don't mind me saying, a drunken decision uh, yeah. one night with your friends has now become a integral part of who you are. You know, yeah. it's, if, you, if you look at it that way, it's 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 really quite fascinating. Yeah, you, you've done yeah. you've done so much. Um, you know, you know a, a lot more than many hikers can say that they have done, and also now you're kind of paying back in 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 many ways, and that you're you're you know on mountain rescue, but also you're a part of the board and and you're the treasurer. So, um, th- again, there's so much to unpack there, and I love the the little hat tip to uh, the Art O'Neill challenge because that's something that I I don't know if it's I'm thank I'm thankful to, to be <laughs> in it. I threw my name the, in the hat. The, yeah, on the 14th of January 23, you can say if you're if you're thankful or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, uh, I suppose other people could probably say it for me because uh, I don't know if I'm going to be in some state to, to do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, 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 for my sins, I am running the Art O'Neill Challenge on the 13th of January or the 14th of January, whenever it is. Um, yeah, we'll see when, if if that happens, but um, but yeah, there's there's so much to unpack there, and there's, there's, like there's so many other stories I'd I'd love to kind of zoom in on you know, your trip up uh, Grand Paradiso, the Hout route, your Kilimanjaro, but uh, I really want to kind of get to know Mountain Rescue a little bit more. So what 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 does it take? to get into mountain rescue like you, you said that you went through the process i know you know I, i've done these myself mountain skills one and mountain skills two but from there how do you is there an assessment what does the assessment look like and then you said that there's the probationary team what happens after that then yeah so so the first thing is so you apply and to be honest like we don't do regular um intakes we will it's kind of on a needs um, basis but we also have to look at our long-term strategy and where do we think that you know our numbers are going to be in in um, the coming years we also have to look at obviously you know it's a voluntary organization and um, so and some people's lives just sort of dictate more than others that they can or they can't be available and they might have to take like a couple of years away from the team before they can come back so we have to look at all of that and that's like what the board would do um and then we we go right we need you know this many people to be coming through over these years so you know when you back sort of solve that you you figure out how many you need to bring on this year so we we'll open up a call or um and then people apply and then we they'll come along usually to like a pre-assessment so like we want to make sure you know, you don't come, you don't turn up in like a cotton t-shirt and a pair of jeans and, um, you know, your phone and go, I'm, I'm here. And you're like, well, clearly <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, but we'll bring people out and we'll do something like a, a night navigation with them and just make sure that they've, again, they're comfortable in the hill. Um, like there's an awful lot of training we can provide people with, but we can't bring people from like n- nothing or zero the whole way through to a full team member. Um, then it's also about like commitment. It is a huge, huge commitment. You need to be available, um, you know, as much as possible outside of your work and life. Um, and that's really hard. Like that's just such, such, such an ask of, of everybody. Um, and then there's the training. So you will get, you know, different people on the team will be responsible for training um, the probationary team member. So once you get through the pre-assessment, you're, we then accept a number through to train for the year because we have to be careful as well. Like there's no point in us putting in lots of 
time and effort into people who maybe aren't you know going to be able to give the commitment or aren't going to be able to um to to see it through the whole way right um and and just the, the skills maybe don't align so um so that happens then we we do as i said like series of like wednesday nights um they'll be down the depot or they'll be out in the hill and there'll be some stuff that's you know around the actual the admin and the organization and just getting people familiar with what we look like and how you know the mountain uh, rescue organization as a whole in ireland looks um but then there's very specific ones like you know we'll have somebody on the team who who leads out on all the training for communications and so like you know how do you use the different like the tetra and the vhf radios and how do you communicate on those channels and and how to actually use the technology but also the format in which we communicate with each other and we've got training in as i said crags so like rope and um and harnesses and all the different knots that we need to learn how to use and what standard and what's okay for personal climbing isn't okay for rescue situations and that can be a bit of a an adjustment for some people who are really proficient uh, rock climbers or sport climbers and coming onto the team they've got to sort of park that to one side and figure out you know what the rope rescue um will look like then we've also got um medical training so um, all of us have to be at, at very least um, emergency first responder or EF4. Um, now we've got some members of the team, um, but we're very lucky to have people who are, you know, more qualified than that. So they're EMT or they're paramedic, advanced paramedic doctors and so on. Um, so all of us have to be able to, because we could be the first person on, you know, that comes across casualty and we have to be able to to give them a certain level of care. Um, and that's really come along in the last, I'd say, you know, seven years or so like that wasn't you know would have been a different level of care maybe before that and and then if you go back to you know the origins 30 40 years ago um it was it was different again so i think you know one thing just the trends that are emerging um you can just see constantly all the mountain rescue teams in ireland are looking at how can we do better how can we be more professional how can we give just that level of care on the hill um and that's you know taken back by at the the overall sort of organization level with each individual team on on how to um you know embed that into the team and and make sure that we bring that through and are constantly improving um and then search so you know search is 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 an important part of of our um team it's probably not as um so years ago people would have gotten lost on the hill and you know, a big search would have been um and if you talk to any of the team members who've been there for quite a while, they'll tell you some epic, you know, stories about some epic searches, you know, hours and hours and days long where you were going out looking for lost um hike, lost hikers and walkers. But that's before technology. So technology has changed that because we can now ping an individual who's lost. Obviously they know they're lost, they've called nine 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 or one one two, they've reported themselves lost, and we're able to locate them. And we can tell them, you just need to walk to this track. We'll send a vehicle to pick you up or um, we might, it may not be that simple. You might have to get them to do a series of sort of walks in different directions so that we can actually locate them and, and do that. Um, so searches aren't, there aren't as many of them, but um, what we have now is we we have probably more missing people. So people who've gone out, they've had an accident or people who are despondent and um, that's where our search comes in more. And there's, Again, technology has moved uh, along and that we can do an awful lot there and come up with our search strategies and different plans and and we can deploy different assets. So we can deploy drones, dogs, manpower, 
um, in, and um, we, we can do an awful lot there. So there's, there's a lot of training given in that. Swift water, you know, we, we probably only have like one or two instances a year in it. But, you know, when swift water is, is the incident, it's, um, you know, it, it's so, so, so dangerous. Um, and we all need to be, um, we've got a, people who are specialised in it on the team, but the rest of us all need to be able to do a certain amount um, of it also. Um, and then drones, again, that's another asset that's come along in the last couple of years um, that we're constantly iterating. The technology is moving along. Our understanding of what we can use it for is, is constantly evolving. And again, everybody on the team, while it may not be like the drone pilot or the operator or the support, we all need to be aware of it what we use it for, when we shouldn't use it, you know, considerations as in if the helicopter's coming in, we probably shouldn't have the drone up. If the dogs are out operating, you know, we need to maybe be aware that, that the dog's comfortable with it and so on. So all of that, you know, we there's a basic level of competency across all of those um, skills and areas that we need to learn. Um, and then there's probably, there's two levels of assessment. There's There's one that's kind of more general, and then there's one that's more um, crag-based. Uh, you kind of split them up just because um, it, there's a little bit more setup involved in, in the crag. Um, so you go through those assessments and then, um, thankfully, I think the way the, the team run it, um, you know, we, we tend not to have too many people that don't make it through. Um, there's a huge, but that's, that's really down to just the training coordination and the syllabus and, you know, really we take in small enough um, intakes so that we can give people the right attention. And um, yeah, then you, then you start, if, if you make it through a certain um, way of the training, you'll get added to the call out list and then you, you start turning up for um, live calls. Uh, again, it, it, what you're, what I, th I think is the theme of this is just, it's really kind of showing the breadth the length and breadth that the mountain rescue teams do and you know uh, Dub Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue obviously cover the Wicklow Mountains and the Dublin Mountains and you have uh, your sister team in Glen of Amal but there's so much work that goes into behind the scenes not just in mm -hmm. training individuals and getting everybody up to speed but it, as you said at the start of this as well for every hour on a call there's uh, there's uh, like two or three hours behind the scenes of like you know, training people to, to be ready for that call, for the mm. uh, technology to be utilized uh, pr properly, for all the other board meetings, everything like that, that needs to be done to make sure that all, you have everything that you need. I suppose that, that brings you to, to the next part of this is is the fact that Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue and most mountain rescues in general between Ireland and the UK and most mountain rescues or certain rescue teams around the world are voluntary organizations and you have to rely on funds that are, are coming from your fundraising events from from private you know investment or, or pri sorry private fundraising from people where where does your like apart from that do you, are there any other sources of funding you know do you get go government funding yeah so um i'm probably the right person to ask because i'm the treasurer for the last couple of years um that's why so... i have you on the call <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, we so we're all volunteers, right? We 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 do that. Um, you know, it's it's our own time that we give up. Um, and then from a fundraising, so we have serious 
outgoings, right? So we need to keep the vehicle. We have vehicles. We need to keep them on the road. We need to insure them. We need to insure our team members. We need to pay rent. We need to pay bills. Um, we need to buy kit. Um, actually, a lot of us spend. Most of us actually buy a lot of our own kit. But then there's team issue kit that, um, we have to you know, purchase on behalf of all the team members. Um, we've got, um, I'm trying to think what else do we spend lots of money on on training and like, we're so, like, we're so efficient with that. Right. And I can say that I I used to work as an accountant, um, many years ago and I, you know, I set the budgets with all the budget holders, um, and we look to, you know, be really, really efficient and economical with our finances. So where we get our funding on the other side from is is three places so there's donations so member of the public members of the public will donate to us through a number of channels straight to our bank account via um different links on our website um and so we will send in checks and and, and so on um and that's you know a great source of of income for us um and that's probably about 10 10 percent of what we um of, of what we need for the year and then there's um grants so we avail of a number of, of government grants uh, through mainly through local uh, county councils or the HSE um, a lot of that the, the only kind of uh, cha- and then we also get the Department of uh, Transport as well so the only sort of um, concern not concern but sort of bugbear of mine is some of it's restricted so like you know this can only be used for this type of, of um, expenditure and I was saying like, I don't need any more medical equipment, but I do need money to pay the insurance, right? Or we need money to pay uh, the rent or so on of, of our building. Um, so that's that's kind of, we. that's where a lot of my time is sort of spent is, is trying to figure out like, how can we, like, can we, can we figure out some money from the budget we can put towards this and then we get the grant to backfill that somewhere else. Um, so we're we're always reviewing that. That's a monthly um, occurrence. And then our third area, which is actually our most successful, um, is our three events. So we put on three events a year. We've got the hikers sort of covered from the walk the line perspective. That's the end of March. And we usually have like about 700 people um, do that. And it's around the Dublin Mountains, short and a long course. And it's it's just a brilliant, brilliant event. You hike from the evening um, sort of just from dusk uh, through until the night. Um, and that, that's really good fun. Then we have a sort of sister um, which is run the line that happens um, at the end of November, and that is as the name gives away. It's a, a running event, and again, short and long course uh, during the day, and it's really, really popular with people, uh, the trail running community, people with, in, in Imra, uh, the Irish Mountain Running Association, and a lot of people who've done the marathon will come and do that as kind of their final event um, at the end of the year. And then we have my favourite, uh, and I've done all three events a number of times before I joined the team, but my favourite is Art O'Neill. Um, and that's that's just like people apply from all over the world to come to this event. Um, our numbers are limited because we have to be um, mindful of the erosion and the national parks um, limit our numbers every year. So it's not us just trying to create hype around the event. We, we are actually totally constrained in it. Um, so we have the Artendale Challenge. It's 60 kilometres. It's from Dublin Castle at midnight. And you break out of the castle and you have to figure your way um, from there to uh, two checkpoints and to the final down in Glenmalure Valley. And it's just, it's like, it's just, I've, as I've done it three times. It's just such a phenomenal event. Um, we so much so we've launched a 
second sort of a sister event to it this year. So it's the Artinel Challenge, and now we're doing the Pursuit. The Pursuit is 25 kilometers. Most, I think it's all on road, and it goes to the Capura um, State. So, um, so they're they're just two great events. They are the only like that. That's how we keep the show on the road. We are able to buy our kit, put fuel in our vehicles, so on. Um, but also, we're only able to do those events because our team members give up their time organizing and running and doing all that. We've got great sponsors. They help out um, with the events as well. So Heli Hansen, Great Outdoors um, are, are sort of our mainstay um, sponsors and they, they do an awful lot there. But without those events, like we just would not be able to, to do what we do. Never mind our volunteers' time. Um, we just wouldn't be able to, to operate. It's it's it, it, the events are fantastic and I haven't uh, partaken in Run the Line last year and I'm again going to be there this year and uh, we're, we also have the, the maps available for Run the Line and Walk the Line yeah. on our on, on Hiker as well but uh, I, I, ter, I, ter, I truly cannot wait I know I might not have sounded like that earlier on but I cannot wait for Arthur Deal just to see what the hype is like and and yeah, trying to figure my way from uh, Dublin Castle into the middle of the Wicklow Mountains is going to be bizarre. Um, but the, 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 so the, it is something that that'll stay with you. Like you will, you will just you won't understand it on the day, even the day after. It'll be the week later you're processing it, and even beyond. You, you it's just, and it's not even a game that you have. So there's so many aspects and elements to it that you'd just be processing in the days, the weeks to come. So. Um, yeah, um, it's it's. Uh, I look forward to getting your race report at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I, I don't know if you. I'm sure you, you, you're probably familiar with the Barkley Marathons over in the United States. I feel like this is kind of our version of that, the Irish version of the yes. Barkley Marathons. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, having watched the multiple documentaries about that. I fear for my own safety. Um, no, but it's going to be good. I, I can't. I can't wait for it. But the, I suppose, the, yeah, the back onto I suppose the volunteer nature of Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue and Search and Rescue in general. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, we talked about like a lot of the the background work that goes into things, but in terms of the, the numbers now, like obviously hiking and the outdoors in general has exploded over the last couple of years. There was this steady increase right up until like twenty twenty, and then once twenty twenty hit, it just exploded, um, yeah. and. Everybody in the outdoors industry can can attest to that. So, did you see a dramatic increase in the number of call-ins that you started to get? Yeah. So, so the numbers had actually been trending upwards for the probably in around the year that that I joined. I think the year or two before they were starting to see those numbers start to trend upwards. So we'd gone from you know fifty, sixty call-ins a year to the like to up to about a hundred. Um, Storm Emma was a big, and the Beast from the East that was a big um, sort of uh, numbers uh, for us that that year. Because if you remember, if you think about it, I was like nobody be out hiking or nobody be out. Nobody a lot of humanitarian um, sort of uh, call outs uh, that, that we were responding to at that time. Um, but COVID absolutely changed it, and what COVID has really done is more people are in the outdoors, more people are hiking. Um, the sort of explosion of the social media aspect of that has kind of driven a lot of of um, behaviours around it. So you'll see more that, you know, people are going to the hotspots where, the, you know, there's a 
really good, you know, uh, you can get the good photo for the gram or you can, this is something you want to add to TikTok um, or you've seen an influencer go to this place. So we're seeing probably concentration of, of um, areas as a result of that. We're seeing people maybe not as prepared. Uh, so footwear is like, if, if, if anybody could take anything away from this is just get a good pair of hiking boots. Like go to a good outdoor store, get measured, get a good pair of hiking boots. That would probably take away, I'd say half our call outs a year, like easy. Right. Um, And yeah, easy. That's nuts. Like it just footwear, like like, I suppose it's turn ankles. It's uh, what is it? It's turn ankles or. Yeah. Like 65 to 70% of our call outs are lower leg injury. And most of the time it's people coming down a hill. So it's not going up, right? You, you rarely fall up a hill, but you'll do it coming down. You're tired. Your flushing is maybe as good. You're not as an experienced hill walker and you don't have great footwear. So you might have a pair of trail runners on, or you, like sometimes we see people in runners. We see people in Converse coming down Loch Naquilla and they got lucky that one day, but like, you know, so they got emboldened by it and now um, they decided, or they, they did, you know, tick knock in them and that was fine, but they, they got emboldened by it and now they're doing look in, in a pair of cons and that didn't really work out for them. Um, so so we've seen that aspect of it change during COVID and that's been sort of augmented by the whole social media aspect of it. But then what you have is um, the times have changed, right? So more people are, um, you know, work has changed some people are working from home a little bit more than they would have before or their hours have become more flexible so we're seeing more people out midweek than we would have before and um we need to you know look at our resourcing then so let's say 80 percent of our people um our team members work nine to fives so they are available at the weekends when most of our colleagues pre-covid will come in on saturday always sunday afternoons like always but now we probably need to look at, well, we need to, to maybe have more volunteers in our team that don't do a normal nine to five because we're getting the 3 p.m. calls for jousts or we're getting a 5 p.m. call, um, you know, down in Lugalaw and we just need to make sure that we've got um, availability um, to, to cover that and we've got resources because if someone has a lower leg injury, we have great vehicles, they can get up tracks, but you need to get up, treat the person uh, for environmentals, like the lower leg injury isn't going to kill them, but getting hypothermia will. So that's our main concern. You know, most of the time is to treat the, the environmentals. Then we need to get them up off the ground. We need to get them in a stretcher. And you have got to have at least eight people to do that. But you need to be churning those out every half kilometre because it's done an awful lot of work to, if you think about, you know, someone broke their leg trying to come down this track and we're trying to carry all of our kit and, a bit of a stretcher over this and you're pushed off the track into the edges of the bog or at the edges of the heather and um, it's it's actually really tough work and then during covid obviously we were masked up with it and gloves and everything so um it was just an extra um consideration and and um thing we needed to to deal with do you think now with the growth and popularity of the outdoors that there is a, a- uh, obviously numbers had increased for college but do you think with the growth and the popularity of the outdoors is there more education out there is there a better understanding of the the, the precautions you need to take 
Yeah, and like we we and the other teams, Imagine Rescue Ireland and, you know, other um, sort of lobby groups do quite a bit of work on that, right, through, and again, all of this on a voluntary basis, right? So if you think of, you think you're joining a mountain rescue team to take people off the hill, but like we need people who are really good at writing content and, you know, how to know, how to navigate social media. Um, so we, and all of the teams need that. So, so we do that and we educate, but, you know, if you think about it from a communications perspective, it's the people who aren't reading our stuff that we need to reach, right? So how do we do that? We do that with partnering with um, some of our sponsors through, you know, in the outdoor stores, making sure that um, our message is getting out there through, if it's not leaflets or it's QR codes or people can learn a bit more. Um, I, I do think influencers have a job here to, to you know, our responsibility here to sort of share the message. Um, and I would love to see more of that. Um, I know obviously their, their focus or their, um, their concentration is, is more on creating content that is enjoyable and engaging. And maybe they don't feel that some of our, some of the, the sort of warning messages or the informative messages are are um, aligned to that. But I, I do think that there could be a bit more collaboration in that space. And then I think it's about we've got to figure out a way to just get in front of more people who, like the people who are listening to your podcast, the people who are you know following our social media posts, they're, they're not the people that we're really trying to to educate right they're educated they're seeking that information out all the time um but yeah i think i think there's definitely more um to be done there yeah a hundred percent i will echo that there is i suppose this race to just put up the pretty picture on on social media and i get it and like we do it as well like you know we're, mm. we're not going to shy away from that because that's what people like and it's it's you kind of have but you have to balance that and i think there's space for both you can balance that with having the pretty picture or the really cool video but you can even see it in other aspects of social media where people are saying you know instagram versus reality well it's like instagram versus reality for you know I actually wore the correct boots here. I followed a uh, an established route here, or I have, you know, really good mountain skills that brought me to this place. And if you want to go here, you need to do this as well. So there's, there is ways of doing yeah. it. I think people just go for the, the low hanging fruit and go, I'm just going to go there, take a photograph and then just get thousands of likes and leave it at that. Yeah. And like, if you think about it, like everything is so much faster these days. Right. And and people are, you're bombarded by stuff and like you're on social media and you're doom scrolling and, you know, you don't want to maybe even swipe across, right. You're just, you're just consuming content at a totally different rate to what it would have been, um, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. So, but, but I, I do think, um, you know, as I said, if, if we could just get messages out there around good footwear, like that will, like people will have accidents. Right. I mean, our team members like we have accidents we self-rescue or we need to you know like the best will in the world there that will just happen um but it's the avoidable ones that you're kind of going that would be really helpful if if if, if we could the other thing i would say is like as well like before it's probably more hiking what we're seeing obviously more mountain biking that really took off um you know in the last five years and when mountain bikers injure themselves like they really injure themselves so like you always know that that's going to be um you know quite the call out when you when you get that we've obviously got searches we have some climbers um but climbers are are prepared like you you i don't think i've come across too many reckless 
climbers um in my day but um yeah and then we'll get some random ones that are just you know as we said the humanitarian when the weather goes bad and people need to be um dug out of their home um hopefully we won't see another one of those for a while but um they they all just add to the experience and you know and that's what we we have to train for all of those eventualities and make sure that we're keeping everything fresh for because it's not always going to be lower leg right it's going to be the it's going to be something different every so often and we have to make sure we're ready for it yeah just there's so much more to this as well that i'd love to dive into and probably we might even make this into a two-parter because i'd love to to, to go in because sure. there's so much more about mountain rescue that i'd love to to explore <laughs> um but but uh again, i just want to emphasize again this is a volunteer position and you get your funds from from the public mainly from public and from mm. the, from the events and maybe some like red tape uh government grants um and your time is 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 split and everybody else that's on the team is split as well you have a full-time job and uh for listeners uh fiona and i have like mutual connections ireland is such a small country that we actually <laughs> had friends that like lived in your house for a period of time and this was way before we even knew each other um but that's probably yeah. a story for another day um <laughs> but you have a full-time job as well as this and yes. you know this yeah. this is something that you do as a passion you know you you truly believe in the work that the met mountain rescue team does and uh like it's it's a vital vital uh resource and vital service that we have so um i suppose just kudos to you and kudos to everybody at the dublin wicklow mountain rescue team and kudos to everybody in mountain rescue ireland and kudos to everybody in search and rescue worldwide because yes. the work that you do is is absolutely fantastic and uh uh yeah just wanted to to suppose express my thanks on behalf of hiker and everybody that's listening to hiker <laughs> i don't think there's anybody listening to this to be telling you know, no back those guys <laughs> No, I mean, I think you'd, you'd, you'd need to be a certain type of person, but um, no, look, it's, 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 all I'd say is if people, um, you know, we appreciate it. That's not why we, we do it, obviously, right? But it's lovely to hear. Um, we just, we just love the outdoors and a lot of it is just about, you know, we, our team members, like we're just you know, great friends and great colleagues. And, you know, the thing you, you always learn at the beginning is the most important person in a rescue is you then it's your team member, then it's the casualty. And we all have to train to make sure that we're all competent because we all have to look to each other in a, in a rescue situation. So um, that's the real reason we, we do it and we stay doing it and we turn up for call-outs. That's uh, what a way to, to, to leave it. Um, well, Fiona, thank you so much for your time and coming on. Uh, as I said, I most likely will be getting on to you for part two, probably after Art O'Neill okay. and I'll maybe have a different <laughs> perspective. Uh, not just on yeah, we'll rescue, your, but we'll maybe on, on the universe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get your race report. Hopefully, hopefully we only saw each other or we see each other at the end and not during. Um, yes. But that's the other good thing with, with Art O'Neill is because it's run by Mountain Rescue, Mountain Rescue are available. So, um, yeah, that would be great. New year and maybe new perspectives. New year, new me. Uh, well, Fiona, again, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, yeah. Great, thanks. Thanks again to Fiona for her time in the show. I think I could have asked a million more questions, and we wouldn't have been anywhere near done. 
appreciating the amount of work that these teams do and it's all voluntary. So please do support your local mountain rescue or search and rescue team as much as you can, whether by a direct donation on their website or via the hiker app on some of the featured trails that we mentioned in the show, or you can run 60 kilometers across the Wicklow Mountains in January at 1 a.m. on your own. I'll tell you about that another day. That's it for this week. We'll be back as soon as possible with another episode. Until then, happy trails. Happy trails.